Welcome, ladies. Welcome to Women's Bible Study, Spring 2020. Boy, have things changed since the last time we met. We are standing here in an empty room, and it's really weird, to be honest with you, but we want to invite you to worship with us as we join our hearts together. We might not be able to be together, but we get to join our hearts together and worship God and hear from Him. And so we're gonna do that. We're so glad you're with us. Wherever you are in, in your room, in your office, whatever you're doing, would you sing along with me and um, help me proclaim the promises and the truth of God as we step into this new session. Josh is here with me and um, we're gonna do this. You are with me, what can separate us? You are for me, what can stand against us? Your love, it won't let go. Shadows have no power over me. Fear is empty. Shame has no authority. Your love, it won't let go. I know it won't. For I know your thoughts and your plans for me are good. I know you hold my future and my hope. Your promises never fail, your promises never fail. Sing healing, healing and freedom as you speak favor over me. Faith is, it's breaking all impossibility. Your name has overcome, your name alone, for I know. Your thoughts, your plans for me are good. And I know you hold my future and my hope. Your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. Sing, I am standing. Oh, I am standing on every promise that you make. I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. And Jesus, I will trust every word I hear you say. I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. Oh, I am standing on every promise that that you make I will see it come to pass in your name in your name oh Jesus I will trust every word I hear you say I will see it come to pass in your name in your name oh I will see it come to pass in your name in your name Sing, for I know, for I know your thoughts and your plans for me are good. I know you hold 
my future and my hope. Your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. Your promises never clouds oh he's coming on the clouds kings and kingdoms will bow down and every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise for who can stop the Lord Almighty our God is a lion the lion of judah he's roaring with power and fighting our battles and every knee will bow before him and our god is the lamb the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world his blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh so open so open up the gates make way before the king of kings oh our god our god our god who comes to save he's here to set the captives free for who can stop the lord almighty and our god is the lion the lion of judah he's roaring with power and fighting our battles and every knee will bow before him and our god is a lamb the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world his blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb yes every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh ladies we get to sing about our god who is greater he's greater than anything that we are facing today we just celebrated his resurrection from the from the tomb from the grave he already has had victory over all of this that we are going through all of that we will suffer He's already had victory. That's good news. And there's nobody that can stop him. So let's proclaim that truth together right now in our homes, at our desks, wherever you are, let's proclaim it.
and sing Who Can Stop? Oh, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Oh, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Let's do it again. Oh, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? There is no one who can stop the Lord Almighty. Oh, who can stop the Lord? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. And our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sin of the world, His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Yes, every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Sing. And you're my hope, you're my strength. You're my peace in the stormy sea. You're my life, my very source, my guiding light. Wherever I may go, oh Jesus, Jesus. You're the answer to all I'm searching for. Jesus, Jesus, there's no question. You're what my heart is longing for. And you're my strength. You're my hope. You're my peace in the stormy sea. You're my life, my very source, my guiding light, wherever I may go. You're what my heart is longing you're what my heart is longing for and you're what my heart is longing for oh you're what my heart is longing for you're my hope you're my strength you're my peace You're my life, you're my 
Can we sing that again? You're what my heart is longing. You're what my heart is longing for. Oh, you're what my heart is longing for. You're what my heart is longing for. Jesus, you're what my heart is longing for. Jesus, would you be our only hope? Would you be the one that we cling to? Would we look nowhere else? Would we be women that look for nothing else but you? Would you bind our hearts to you? During this time where we have all this time and, and emptiness in our lives, would we fill it with you? Because God, you are enough. We proclaim that you are enough for us. When all has been stripped away, God, you are enough. Thank you. We praise you. In your precious name, amen. Hi friends, welcome. We're kicking off official women's Bible study. Last week we did an intro talk just to kind of get us in to what we're talking about in Exodus, but now we're actually diving in to our weekly study guide. And the topic today is week seven, practicing Sabbath. I want you to focus on that first word, not the second word, practicing Sabbath. There's this difference about knowing something and doing something, right? For example, I know quarantine 15 is real, and I also know how to diet. I know that I should eat greens instead of cookies. I know that I should work out instead of binging Netflix. I know all these things, but there's a monumental difference in knowing and doing something. Um, I used to be a member of a gym when I lived up in Portland. And for those of you who have never been to the Pacific Northwest, Portland is rainy, it's cold, the water is what makes it so beautiful, but in the winter months, it can be really dark and chilly and wet. And so I used to do this thing in Portland where I'd put on workout clothes in the beginning of the day, then I'd go about my day, and at some point, I would try to make it to the gym. And what happened is, I would go to the gym, and I would walk through that cold water, and like the rain, and I'd get into the gym and I was freezing, because the air, there's air, AC on in the gym, and I would go into the sauna to warm up, and I would totally, my muscles would relax, I'd start chatting with people. Next thing you know, I'd been in the sauna for half an hour. By the time I was done, I was exhausted, I was sweaty, then it was time to go home. So I would go home, and my head thought I did a workout, because I was in workout clothes, and I was sweaty, but I hadn't done any physical exercise other than move my mouth. There is a difference between knowing something and doing something, and that's what we're gonna focus on today, the actual practice of Sabbath, not just talking about Sabbath, but actually doing it. So. We're gonna dive in. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're gonna read from Exodus 20, and this is the Lord giving Moses the Ten Commandments. So we're gonna read about the commandment of Sabbath. So if you have a Bible, you can join us. If not, the words will be on your screen. Exodus 20, starting in verse eight, says, "'Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So before we dive into our talk, I just wanna give you a few brief observations that I've made in this passage. And the first one is, this is a commandment. This isn't like, hey, maybe you should. It's not a suggestion. It's not like a use best practice if you want. This is one of God's 10 commandments. This is one of the 10 things God thought should inform and shape the life of his people. You'll remember the Israelites have just been removed out of slavery and now God is working to define their identity by giving them a series of 10 commandments that will really inform and reflect to the world who they are as his covenant people. And so if you look, it's the fourth commandment. So the first three commands have to do with the vertical relationship with God. You shall have no other God before me. You shall not use the name of God. The, seven, the second seven commands are horizontal commands. They're commands of how to interact with each other and the earth. And this is the first one listed in the horizontal commands. It says, remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath, set it apart, keep it holy. It's a command from God, and it's one of the longest commands of all the commandments. God values the Sabbath, and we're gonna explore that today. We're gonna to talk about why the Sabbath is so important, and then we're gonna talk about how we Sabbath as a people who are formed in God's image and made for his purposes. So we're gonna kick off. Um, if you're taking notes, you can start. We're gonna talk about the importance of Sabbath. And the first point is it all started from the beginning. Um, Genesis 2, one through three says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating what he did. So one of the first things God did when he made the world is he set up this ratio six to one. God himself worked for six days, creating the heavens and the earth and animals and creatures. He created everything. He declared it good and then God rested. Now just imagine, pause for a second, if God rested and he's all powerful, all present, all knowing, he is the creator, if he rested, how much more important and necessary is rest for you and I? And God knew that. So when God commands his people to take a Sabbath rest, it's because he knows how they were formed. He knows what we need. He knows that we're finite, weak creatures who were created to work, but that our work will tire us out. And so he created, he established in his rhythm of life, of time, he established a day of rest. It all started from the beginning. So we see that pattern already formed going back to the Garden of Eden. And then another reason that the Sabbath is so important and that God passes it on as a commandment to the Israelites is because it is about identity. You see, the Israelites were slaves um, and they were coming out of 400 years of slavery, which means they had a slave mindset. They're used to being pushed utilized, abused, and worked to the bone to create for somebody else. Their entire worth was measured by what they did. They were slaves. And the Lord is reforming a people after his own heart. And so what he's saying, he says, you are no longer slaves. You are not what you produce. 
Instead, you are my children. So you can work for six days, you can create good work, but my children have dignity and they rest. There's a time for you to be human, for you to come undone, for you to sit in the presence of the Lord and remember me, a time for you to delight in all the good things that I've provided for you. Slaves didn't get a rest. God's children get rest. Does that make sense? It's part of our fundamental identity as believers. And God says, I don't want you to become a product of culture, that you are only worth what you produce. That's not true. I love you and I've set this apart for you as a time for you to rest and be restored, for you to live your most full life. The Sabbath is a part of our identity as God's kids. We're not what we produce. We are human beings, not human doings. We are created in the image of God and there is space for us just to be. We have worth even when we rest and we don't produce. So it's an identity issue. Another important thing about the Sabbath is it's a covenant sign. Um, covenants are ways that people enter commitments, and then signs are ways that you can see a commitment that's been made. A perfect example is a wedding ring. If you enter the covenant of marriage, you wear a wedding ring to any, for anybody to see. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in a store and you're single and you see a cute guy, the first thing I look at is, does he have a wedding ring on? Is he already in a covenant relationship with somebody else? That covenant relationship, that sign, shows the world a personal decision that you've made. And it helps to show people what you believe and what you value. And so God's saying the Sabbath will be our covenant sign. When the rest of the world is trying to get ahead, people will know you are Christian. They'll know that I am your God because I've allowed you to rest. And it's gonna look really, really countercultural and different from the world when you choose to trust me instead of trying to get ahead. The best example I can think of for this is Chick-fil-A. How many of you love Chick-fil-A? I love Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A was founded by a Christian family. And get this, this is the corp, um, their corporate purpose. I'm gonna read it from you verbatim. This is their mission statement. Their corporate purpose is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come into contact with Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, if you don't know this, they are closed on Sunday. Chick-fil-A as a corporation has decided to practice the rest of Sabbath by keeping it holy and not doing any work on this day. Now, every other fast food company in the world is trying to make money on Sunday, right? They're living for a profit, but Chick-fil-A says, that's not what we're living for. We're living to glorify God and to be a positive influence on every single person who comes in contact with us. And in order to do that, we're honoring the Sabbath. Now, I read an article in Forbes magazine that said McDonald's greatest competitor is Chick-fil-A. A company who rests, who takes the Sabbath rest, is of equal competitiveness to McDonald's, who's global and worldwide. Chick-fil-A has followed God's call, and out of it, they've been blessed and given abundance. That same invitation exists for you and I. We don't have to be like the world. We don't have to be on their hamster wheel. In fact, Chick-fil-A has been so spotlighted because they don't participate in working on Sunday that it's become a cultural phenomenon. Businesses are studying their model of how they can be so successful because they're choosing to trust God with the work that he's given them to do. 
So you can come out on top because Chick-fil-A did if you do Sabbath. Uh, and the last reason that Sabbath is so important is because God set aside this day as holy. And holy means to be set apart. Um, it's a time for us to remember the Lord, to remember that he is the creator of everything. Time is one of our most fundamental resources and we're all given the same amount. And the Lord says, for every six days that you're working and doing your thing, I want you to give me one day, one day where I get to restore you, one day where I get to pour into you, one day where your cup gets to be filled and you remember me. It's kind of the same as a tithe. A tithe is the first 10 percent of what we get, our income, our salary. We give 10 percent to the Lord as a covenant sign of, I trust you, God. This is your money. You gave it to me and I give it back as an offering. The Lord's saying the same thing about the Sabbath. He said, I've set this day apart. I want you to give me back this day to remind yourself that you are not what you do, you're not just work, but you are children of God. This will be our connection day, our family day. So God wants it to be a covenant sign because it's holy and set apart, like he's holy. And when we believe in Jesus, we become holy too. So it's a sign of holiness. So the next question you're probably asking is, how, how do we enter Sabbath? Um, and the first thing, I wanna give a few tips, but the first thing I wanna say is we don't, it doesn't have to be legalistic. Sabbath is not this huge set of rules of you can do this and you can't do that. Um, my pastor preached, um, my old pastor at a church I used to work for up in the Pacific Northwest, preached on Sabbath one week. And I remember after that service, I had a ton of conversations with people in the congregation. They would email me or call me and they'd ask kind of like clarifying questions. Like, hey Coley, my family just ate dinner. I, I, want, I want to do the dishes. Is, is that allowed on Sabbath? Yes. Sabbath isn't so much about rules as it is a heart posture. For example, um, some people get really refreshed and replenished by going for a walk or working out or going for a run. Whatever you do on Sabbath, it's supposed to be restorative and not take away from you. If you love cooking, great cook and then clean all the dishes afterwards. It's, it's not legalistic. It's not about what you can and you can't do following a set of rules and doing everything right. It's, it's a heart posture. It's a time where you are stepping away from work and saying, God, I wanna do things that restore me, that um, rebuild me, that reconnect me to you. It's not about following a set of do's and don'ts. So first of all, avoid legalism at all costs. It'll kill your Sabbath. Sabbath is a privilege. It's a gift from the Lord, not an obligation. So take away any legalism out of that. And the second thing I'm gonna encourage you to do, when you Sabbath, you have to set a time. Sabbath does not just happen. It's not like you wake up one day and slip into it and you're like, oh, I think I did a Sabbath. It's a really intentional way to carve out a chunk of time to give to the Lord. So you've got to plan. You've got to plan ahead. It's like anything on your schedule. Like if you have to pick up your kids from soccer practice, you schedule that in so they're not just sitting at the soccer field waiting for you. Everything that matters to us, we make room for, we prioritize, and we put in our schedule. So you have to create a space in your schedule. And here's the filter that I would use. If you're doing it as a family, what's the best day for your family to really spend quality time together and with the Lord? Um, and then use that filter. Say you, I do Sabbath on Saturdays because I don't have any work. I have no other commitments. Um, and so I carve out that day. And then every invitation that comes my way, I filter it through a lens of will this be restorative? Will this honor God? And will I get rest out of it? So some people, um, some of my friends will call and say, hey, can we schedule a phone conversation? Some of my friends are filled 
filled with the Spirit and they pray over me and they encourage me. So when they ask on my Sabbath if I can meet, I say, absolutely, nothing would build me up more than a conversation with you where you're encouraging me and who I am in Christ and we pray for each other. But other things, obligations, meetings, errands, if those come in on my Saturday, I say, nope, you know what, um, I'm gonna do that the next day. So you filter it by what brings you rest and you set aside a time for it. So. Pete Cicero wrote a book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. If you haven't checked it out, I hope you get the chance to. It's a great book, um, but we're reading it in Huddle this year, and I just read the portion on Sabbath. And so Pete had four practical ways to enter biblical Sabbath, and I really like them, so I'm gonna share his material with you just as an offering of something you can consider and ponder. But this is all Pete's work, this isn't my work. So Pete recommends four things uh, to kind of help you frame your Sabbath. And the first one he mentions is stop. Stop what you're doing, stop working, stop freaking out, stop trying to get ahead, stop being worried. He says just to stop and to sit in this place of trust. Sabbath really is, at the core of it, it's a trust issue. Do we trust that the world will keep going if we don't labor after it? Do we trust that God will provide if we're not the ones striving to provide? Do we trust that God will meet us if we make time for him? Pete says just to stop and refocus yourself on God's trust. Trust that the Lord has created this command because it's for your good. So stop whatever you're doing, stop. Second thing, he says rest. Determine what is restful for you. What's restorative? What gives you life? What brings you this sense of relaxation instead of stress, duty, obligation, tension, fear? Um, Pete lists a few things that you can rest from if they'll help you in your Sabbath. Um, those are, he says rest from work, physical exhaustion, um, multitasking, rest from hurry, rest from screens, rest from major decision-making. You can take a rest from things that cause you anxiety and stress. Um, and then the third thing he, he says is delight. So first you gotta stop what you're doing, focus your trust on God, then you are just gonna rest. You're gonna do things, take out things of your schedule that are stressful for you, and then you're gonna seek after delight. When God created the earth, he sat back on the seventh day and enjoyed everything that he's made. When's the last time that you enjoyed the work of your hands? When's the last time you just sat with everything in your life and just appreciated it? Sometimes we're so busy that we don't even use the good things God gave us. Um, I purchased a bike last year. I was super excited about it. I went on maybe four or five bike rides and then it's been sitting in my garage. And in the preparation of this servant, I pulled into my um, garage spot one day and I saw my bike sitting there and I thought, I don't even appreciate or use that bike. And so I, I brought it to the store to get a tune-up. It's gonna get delivered or finished today. And I'm gonna enjoy the bike that God's provided for me and utilize it. We can get so caught up in wanting new things or more things or trying to get ahead that we forget just to delight in all the good stuff that we do have. What is in your life that you can delight in? Um, here's a few things that I, I've tried to do uh, to really appreciate things more. And the first one is, Taste your food. Sometimes I get hungry and I can just scarf down things. I have no idea what I ate or what it tasted like because I was trying to get to the next thing. On Sabbath, enjoy your food. 
Take slow bites. What are the spices that are in there? What does it smell like? Remember that food is a gift from the Lord and people in other nations don't have the opportunities and the access we do to the type of foods we have. So enjoy food. Um, another thing I've really done is I, when I go for walks, I try to smell as many different smells as I can. Um, we just are, we're a week in of rain in Los Angeles, so everything's blooming. Uh, flowers are coming out. The air actually feels clean, I think, because of quarantine. There's less pollution, more rain. So when I go out for walks, I just, I actually smell what's around me. It slows my system down and it allows me to smell the roses if they're there. Um, and another thing I do is, um, Pete recommends this. He says, just give yourself the space to enjoy people. Normally, you and I are going from one thing to the next, right? We're very schedule driven. When I'm in the grocery store and I have something to do, I'm not really making a lot of small talk. I'm like, hey, to the teller. Hey, how's it going? Good, great. Okay, awesome. Thanks. Have a great day. Everything is so rushed when we need to be doing something else. Sabbath is a day that we don't have a ton of plans or agenda, so you can do simple things like enjoy people, have a conversation with a stranger. There's no need to get to the next thing on Sabbath, which allows us to really delight in people and experiences and gifts God's given. It really, it's about finding wonder, play, and enjoyment in your day. And then the last thing that uh, Pete recommends is to contemplate to think about God and who he is and how that impacts your life. Um, Sabbath is really an opportunity for us to reorient ourselves to the reality that God is the creator and we're his creation. Sometimes when we're in the hamster wheel, when we're going, we, or I should just speak for myself, I have a tendency to think that I'm the God of my own universe, that I'm in charge of everything, that I'm responsible for everything. If I drop a ball, everything will crash. This isn't true. God is sovereign over all things. And so Sabbath is really a day for us to remember who he is and who we are. And that's a posture of peace. He has the whole world in his hands. He has all power. He's given us access to the Father um, and to enjoy that intimate father-daughter relationship. Contemplate what he's done. Thank him for all the things in your life. Consider him, right? When I'm going day to day in my schedule, I don't have a ton of downtime to think about God, to listen to his voice, to read his word just for enjoyment. Usually I'm trying to produce a sermon or something. Sabbath is a time to really sit and saturate with the Lord and invite him to give you a new perspective on things, to transform your mind. Um, it's a beautiful opportunity. So those are four things that Pete recommends. And then I want to do, um, next I want to go to the Exodus 31 passage. This is another um, giving of the Sabbath command, but it comes with a consequence. And I want to explore the consequences of not following the Sabbath. So if you have your Bible, uh, Exodus 31, if not, it will be on your screens. Exodus 31 verse 12 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come that's us, the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Did you hear that? He makes us holy. We don't work to get into holiness. God bestows it on us. Verse 14 says, observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. 
So when God gave this commandment to Moses, there was a severe consequence of not following it. Anybody who tried to work to get ahead or didn't listen to the command was to be cut off and put to death. Now that same practice doesn't happen nowadays, but I wanna suggest that there are real consequences for you and I when we don't observe Sabbath. And the first one is we can easily forget about God and make everything about us. I don't know about you, but when I'm going about my normal day, when I got my to-do list, when I'm cranking through on things, I can forget about God because I'm so focused on all the tasks in front of me. Sabbath is meant to realign us to the Creator, to remember Him. And when I don't take breaks, when I don't set aside time to be with the Lord, I can easily make all of my life about me and then it suddenly becomes about all about what I want. Am I getting what I want? Am I doing what I want? Am I happy? It can be really easy to focus inwards when we're not practicing Sabbath. And so I think that's a huge consequence us for us to miss the reason of life, the purpose of life, the mission of life. It's all to be with the Father, to be in relationship with Him. And when we get stuck on our to-do like to list, our task list, we can just crank them out again and again like slaves. So one consequence of Sabbath, missing the big picture, missing who God is in all of this and making it all about us. Another one is, when I don't practice Sabbath, I feel tired. I don't really feel replenished. Um, I don't know if any of you have felt this way in the quarantine, but I think for me, this, this quarantine means I need Sabbath more than ever because I'm getting pent up in the house. Um, I'm learning new rhythms that are hard and they take time and grace and it can be stressful. Um, the state of the world isn't super positive right now, so reading news and stuff, watching friends lose jobs, like it's, it's all heavy. And no other time is greater than I think than a Sabbath than right now because we need to be restored. We need to remember the hope that Christ calls us to. And when we go into this, these work weeks, when we're at home adjusting to different systems, we need to be refreshed and restored. And when we don't take Sabbath, we just go into another work week, more exhausted and more drained. God invites us to carve out that time to rest so he can replenish us. Um, another consequence of not following Sabbath is we sometimes don't even appreciate our own work. So many of us are laboring day and night, whether you're homeschooling, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're cooking three meals a day for your family, whether you're out in the corporate world, whether you're on the front lines of the medical field, uh, you guys are all busy, we're all doing stuff. And when we don't Sabbath, we don't appreciate what we've put effort into, right? Even in my job in ministry, if I don't take Sabbath time to remember all the things the Lord has done in a week of women's ministry, I can miss all the blessings that the Lord provides. Women tell me that their prayer requests have been answered, that they've come out of cancer treatment cancer-free, that they've received the Lord and they are living a new life. There's so much good that the Lord does in our work, all spheres, all influences. There's good things that the Lord does. And when you and I don't pause, we miss them. And that's the motivation that we need to keep working hard and doing the job that we're doing. So don't miss reflecting on your work and appreciating all the good that you've done to others and all the good that's come out of whatever you're investing in in this season. And another consequence is, we can easily become slaves again, right? You and I are super prone to having idols or other gods. And if, if it's quarantine and you're reading the news every day, you and I are most likely gonna be a slave to fear, afraid of what's gonna happen, uncertain what's next. God says, I don't want you to be slaves. I want you to remember that you were bought with a price and you're free. 
It's about remembering our identity. The consequence of missing Sabbath is that we forget that we can rest and be fully loved. God loves us regardless of what we do. He loves us because the son Jesus died for us and we're his creation, we're his children, we're family to him. And so don't forget that you're a family member of God. You're a child, you're an heir to the kingdom. God wants that to be the identity that you work and live out of and not a striving to try to be better, try to be enough, try to be more. God says, no, don't forget that I created you in my image and I created you to rest, so rest in me. So what I want us to do this week, I don't know what this is going to look like for you. I understand that we're all in very different circumstances in this season, but I want to encourage you to practice Sabbath. Not just to think about it, not just to do your daily study, not just to read about it and think, oh, Sabbath, what a great concept, but to really step into it and in whatever form that looks like for you. No legalism. Maybe you have one hour. Maybe you do a Sabbath as a family for a day. One of the best ways I heard Sabbath described is just a day without expectations. A day where you go in not trying to crank out a to-do list, not trying to get anything out of it, just trying to be open to rest and the Lord and his delight in you. So I wanna encourage you this week, practice Sabbath. And if you're scared, if you've never done it before, I want you to try it once and I want you to tell me or tell somebody else and journal about what it felt like to actually let go of control and to be reminded that God is in control because he's for you, he's for me, he's for us in this season, and he knows that in a situation that's super stressful, there's nothing that you and I need more than his rest. He says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but this season has made me weary and I need the Lord's rest. And so my hope for us this week is that you and I can be people who practice the Sabbath. We can be people who choose to lay aside our agendas, our busyness, our own self-importance, and we can sit before the Lord and allow him to fill us up. And in that, we can be a light for other people who are around us. So let's pray to close today. Father, I thank you that you've created a day for us to rest. Lord, we pray as a people who have not followed Sabbath and have not honored it well, we pray for your forgiveness, Lord, and we pray that you would show us how to enter Sabbath, each of us individually in the different circumstances and the season that we're in. Would you show us what Sabbath rests look like? And God, I pray for each person who practices Sabbath this week that their cup would be restored, that their eyes would be fixed on Jesus, and that the hope that is in Jesus Christ would be reinstated, restored to each of our souls, Lord, so that we can be glorifying you and honoring you and seeing you at work in a difficult season. So Lord, bless us as we practice Sabbath this week and make yourself known to us in that time. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Blessings on you women. I'm praying that you practice Sabbath and I would love for you to share with your group how your experience went. So blessings on you today. Goodbye.